Uh, if you'll turn with me over to Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, uh, we'll be finishing up the series that we've been doing on vision and values as we've spent past almost two months, um, counting Mother's Day and Father's Day as well, um, talking about vision and values. So this vision statement that we are, are instilling in our church and our DNA and our identity of, of we are moving, we are walking towards Christ, we're making steps towards Him. We're not doing that alone, though we are doing that with our community. We believe that this is what Scripture instructs us to do, that we are to be moving towards Him, that not to remain stationary, um, but to be moving towards Him. And we shouldn't do it in isolation, but we should do it as a community, um, as a congregation, as a body of believers. Um, church in the, in, the, in the Bible, as we have it translated, isn't exactly what we see today. It was ecclesia. It just means a gathering of people to come together in a, with one purpose, with one mind, in unity, with, a, with understanding that this is what what we're here for and, and that's my heart's desire is that we come together with a clear understanding that we are here with the intention to be walking towards Christ taking steps towards him and that we want to bring our community along with us Amen. but we you know a lot of times we have these ideas and and grand ambitions and sometimes how we do it really isn't discussed so that's where the values come in we talked about several values that we want to instill in our church that we are living out in our own lives, in our personal lives, with our family, priorities that we are putting uh, into action that would help us to fulfill the vision. We talked about using our gifts. Now, everybody has a gift. Everybody has ability. They have a calling on their life that God wants us to use in our local congregation, in our community, and that without that, we just really aren't fulfilling our purpose. I don't know if you noticed, I had a guitar string break before we, we started service this morning, and, and it was one of those strings, and, and the way I play guitar, it was where I used to base everything off of. So I, I just felt like I was fumbling. Everything felt a little bit off when all the strings weren't there together. And that's how church is. When one of us isn't here, everything feels a little bit off because we are not all together as the body yeah. of believers. We talk, so we talked about using our gifts. We talked about learning and sharing. We talked about the Great Commission, how we are to learn of Christ. We are to learn who He is and what He commands us and what the Bible tells us. But we aren't just supposed to hoard up that wisdom and knowledge, but we are called to share that, to give it to the world, to tell our neighbors, to tell our co-workers, to tell our family this is who Jesus is, to not give up opinions or isms and schisms, but give them the truth of the gospel. We talked about how we should build relationships and how Jesus Christ himself is a, is a model of that. When he walked on this earth, how he built relationships with 12 men. And even though he knew that some of them didn't like him, he still built a relationship with them, just as we should seek to build relationships with those that are around us. But to do that, we need to put others first. And that was another value that we have, to, to humble ourselves, to realize that the center of the world isn't revolving around me, but it revolves around God, and that my goal is to put myself below Him and put Him first in my life. And by doing, by doing that, I can put other people first and reveal to them the true nature of Jesus Christ as He put us first before Himself when He died on the cross. We're going to close here with living boldly. And, and as we prepare, as I prepared for this and, and studied and, and even as these thoughts have been, been winding and, and moving in my heart and my mind for over a year now, living boldly has been something that I've really um, had, a, had a burden on my heart to deliver, to, to speak about, because I believe now more than ever the church uh, should desire to be living boldly in their community. So we're going to read Philippians chapter 1. 
verse 20. Paul tells the church at Philippi this. He says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So this is Paul's introduction to the church of Philippi. The first thing he talks about here in this first chapter, as he ends, as he ends up the first chapter of the introduction, he says, I want you to know I'm not ashamed of what I do. I want to continue to do it in boldness so that Christ may be magnified in my life if I live or if I die. Yeah, but what does it mean to be bold? What does that mean? We can think of boldness. We can think of people that are, are bold in, in our life. I, before my time, there was a man named Dennis Rodman. Um, you may know him if you understand basketball. If you kept up with the Chicago Bulls any during the 80s and 90s, you know who Dennis Rodman was. He was probably considered very bold because of his fashion choices. Um, many people said he's not from this art world. He's just an, he's alien. He just looks crazy. He had very bold fashion choices. And there's other people who speak boldly. I think of Martin Luther King Jr. You listen to any of his speeches and you see the you hear the boldness in his messages and what he's trying to deliver. And other of our presidents or leaders, they speak with boldness. We we have different ideas of of boldness, but the dictionary says that boldness or to be bold is basically not hesitating or fearful in the face of actual or possible danger or above. Courageous and daring. So that's what our modern dictionary says. But if you go into Strong's Concordance, what it does with that word boldness, it gives us the, 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 the Hebrew word, the Greek word for it. It breaks it down. It says, so basically it's parasia. I probably mispronounced that. Um, but it means unreservedness in speech, without concealment, fearless confidence, cheerful courage, assurance. Yeah. I like that. Fearless confidence, cheerful courage. Assurance. Yeah. So Paul is basically saying here, my life that I live, everything I do, I want to do it with a fearless confidence, knowing who my Savior is. I want to do it with a cheerful courage, knowing that where my home is, where my everlasting home is, where my hope is in. And I want to do it with the assurance that I know who Jesus Christ is and that the message that He preached was true and faithful and that I can put my faith and trust in it. So this is the boldness that Paul speaks of. And I think if we look at our lives and we begin to, to break it down, a couple of years ago we talked about at the first of the year that we need to, in our lives, we need to really look at it. We need to ask ourselves the questions and, and really be honest with ourselves to break it down and say, how am I being, uh, you know, living my life? Is it pleasing to God? Am I doing these things right? Are there things that I can do better? We need to do that. And I want us to do that today and ask ourselves, are we truly living boldly in our community, in our families, in our churches? Are we living boldly according to what Scripture says. There's some several ways that we can talk about being living boldly. Some ways we can be boldly. We can pray boldly. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. How do we pray? Do we pray? That's a, that's, a, that's a place. There's been seasons in my life where I've not prayed like I should have. I've not communicated with God in the way that, that He desires for me to communicate with Him. He, he came so that a connection could be reestablished between mankind and the divine. But do I pray enough to Him? Do I talk to Him in the way that He desires? And do I pray boldly? 
I feel like many times we limit what we think God can do by the prayers that we pray. We don't think God is able to do something, so we don't even broach to uh, we don't even try to broach the subject with Him. We think things as impossible, far-reaching. Uh, we we cannot do that. That's just beyond human mind or ability, and it may be beyond human mind or ability. But we do not deal with human mind and ability when we deal with prayer and communicating with God. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the, with the prayers that we pray that for maybe are just our daily life or the things that we're going through. But that should not be the extent of our prayer life. We should be praying impossible prayers. I love in the Old Testament when Elijah, he goes on, the, on top of the mount with the prophets of Baal and groves and they're having a, a contest basically to see whose God was the true God, who would be worshipped. And it says that for the majority of the first part of the day, the prophets of Baal and groves, they, they gnashed their teeth, they cut themselves, they cried out to Baal and, and Elijah just agged them on. He said, pray, pray a little bit louder. Maybe he, he's far gone. May, pray a little bit louder. Basically, maybe he's using the bathroom. Maybe he's preoccupied with more important things. Than you, and it says about midday, so so about that Elijah's turn came, and he went and he he took the offering that was there on the altar, and he covered it with water, uh, all kinds of barrels of water to soak and to sop up this the the altar, the wood, everything was was saturated, to, just where it was just everywhere, and he just basically prayed a simple prayer, he basically said, I, you know, I know who you are, God, let them see who you are, praying impossible prayers with the expectation to see impossible things happen. Yeah. But the prayers that we pray many times are, are, are not bold. We don't come to the, the throne of grace boldly. We come thinking that there's no way God can do what I'm going to ask, or, or maybe He'll answer my prayer, maybe He, he won't. Does he, does he listen to me? Does He even hear me when I pray? Is there any use that I'm praying at all? But we should desire to come to the throne room of grace boldly. We should desire to pray in a bold fashion where we bring these awesome prayers to God and say, Lord, this is, this is something that only you can do. Because when we pray prayers that are, that are maybe small or maybe that, that aren't impossible, then there might be a, a notion in our mind that the enemy might say, well, it wasn't God that worked in that. It was something else that came through. But when you pray impossible prayers and God works in impossible ways, then it points solely to God as the ability for that prayer to have been answered. So we need to pray boldly. Pray consistently all the time as much as you can. The Bible says to never cease praying, but pray boldly. Pray with a passion, with a ferocity, with the intent and faith, knowing that no matter what you bring to God, He is able to do all things. Let us pray Boldly. But let us speak boldly as well. This scripture in Acts 28 verse 31 says, Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without <coughs> hindrance. Like I said, we talked a couple weeks ago about learning the gospel, learning the truth about who, who Jesus is, but then also sharing that. We should be speaking Boldly, I found this story um, that uh, that an author, Carosis, um, is all that I, all that I could find by his name. But he he writes this. He says Hugh Lattimore was a preacher. He says he once preached before King Henry the Ninth, the Eighth. Says Henry was greatly displeased by the boldness in the sermon, and ordered Latimer to preach again on the following Sunday and apologize for the offense he had given. The next Sunday, after reading his text, he thus began his sermon. Hugh Latimer. Dost thou know before whom thou art this day to speak? 
to the high and mighty monarch, the king's most excellent majesty, who can take away thy life if thou offendest? Therefore take heed that thou speakest not a word that made us please. But then consider well, Hugh, dost thou not know from whence thou comest upon, whose message thou art sent, even by the great and mighty God, who is all present, and who beholdeth all thy ways, and is who is able to cast thy soul into hell. Therefore take care that thou deliverest thy message faithfully. He then preached the same sermon he preached the uh, preceding Sunday, but he did it with considerably more passion and energy. Many times we let the world around us stifle the truth that we speak, or to edit the truth that we speak, or to hinder the truth that we may have to speak. But we should speak with boldness. Once again, not speaking opinions, not speaking what I think on a situation, but speaking the truth of Scripture that was given to us by the Bible says in Timothy, by the very breath of God. Amen. That we should speak that boldly, with confidence, knowing that this is truth. That this is where our faith resides and rests in, in the Word, in the truth of the Gospel that Christ has left for us. We should speak boldly, with passion, that we desire for people to hear what we have to say, but not just to hear what we have to say, but to be compelled by what we have to say. I went many times to a, a restaurant or someplace and sat down to eat and, and, and they come and, and you know how they, they, they have to give the spill. Would you, would, you know, would you like to try an appetizer today? Or would you, would you like to try a dessert today? And there's some people who make that very compelling. Would you like to try our blooming onion today with our wonderful Aussie sauce? And there's some people who make you don't even want to eat there. Well, do you want an appetizer today or don't you? You know, let's... The way we speak affects the reaction to the words that we say. When we fail to speak with boldness, with passion, then we really fail to make the connection that the Word of God is able and capable to make. As you read Scripture, I don't see many places where the apostles, the disciples, or many of the early leaders of church spoke without some sense of zeal or boldness. That there was a fervency about them. A determination to see something come from the words that they have said. That the faith that they are basing their speech in, their talk in, their words in, really became evident in how they delivered their speech, their talk, their testimony, whatever it may be. By speaking boldly, they gave further evidence to the truth of what it was that they were saying. I'm not saying to shout and to get all, you know, you know, just the loudest person is the one that's most right. That's not what I'm saying. But we should speak from a place of confidence in what we are saying. Amen. I was young once. I don't consider myself old right now, but I was young once. And when I was not confident in myself for what I had to say, I spoke silently, hushed tones. But when I was confident in what I had to say, there was more of a vibrato about that because I was confident in what my mess where my message came from. The same should be true in how we deliver talks or discussions or just questions or anything that we may have to talk about about Christ or the Word of God. It must come from a place of confidence that instills boldness in his people. So we must speak boldly.
But we must go boldly as well. Proverbs 28.1 says this. It says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Yeah. Bless you, Lord. I like the idea as a child when I would think, no matter what I would come against, I'd face it. I'd do it. I'd fight whatever came my way. I'd have grand ambitions outside as a child with my sword and my my shield that no matter what came out of the woods or whatever came out from under the bed, I could face it. But then more often than not, when any kind of thing was ever asked of me in that sense, I I would shrivel, I'd quiver, I'd I'd move away from it. But the Bible here indicates very clearly that the righteousness that was within us, that is instilled by Jesus Christ by knowing Him as our Savior, it should instill a boldness in us to go to places that we may shy away from before. Maybe that's just to go to church more faithfully than we are. Maybe it's to go and, and serve in some way, in some ministry that we have, or in some way in our community. Maybe it's just going next door. To the people that you don't talk to very often. Or the people that just moved in next door. Or the people that you don't know. Maybe it's going and doing something that you think is big. Maybe it's going and doing something that you don't think is very big at all. But we are called to go boldly. To not just sink back into our seats. But to go. To do. That our boldness should drive us into action should drive us into doing what it is that God has commanded us to do. I've said many times before that our, our belief, the depth of our belief in something, the depth of our faith in something will always have a direct influence on our actions in things involving that. How deeply, how strongly, how firmly I believe in the church. How firmly I believe in this gospel that we preach. How firmly I believe that there is a heaven and a hell. How firmly I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior and and is the Savior of the world if they would just but accept Him will always influence how I interact with people, where I go, what I do, what I say. And it should drive us to do more boldly. To go boldly. Many stories, and we, we support uh, missionaries. Many stories of missionaries that go boldly into places that many of us would never dream of going. And we think that's what it means to go boldly. But no, going boldly is just going somewhere that God has commanded you to go and doing it faithfully. That's all that it means is to go boldly. Because we don't know where He may call us. Sometimes He calls us into difficult situations, into places. Places that we've never dreamed of going. Sometimes it's some place that we've just, it's always passed our mind. We've already always drove past that home. We've already always drove past that person. And we just never stopped to, to be that person that they needed in their life. It's just going faithfully and boldly doing what God has called us to do. But you know, if everything was, was perfect, then being bold wouldn't be that hard. If everything was just always hunky-dory and great and there was no opposition to it, going boldly, doing things boldly would be easy. But there is an enemy to boldness. You might say, well, what is that? You might have an idea. Yes, Satan is our enemy in all things. But what does Satan use many times to distract or keep us from living a bold life? And I found and I believe from Scripture what we see is that comfort is the thing that the enemy uses very often 
to keep us from being bold. I'd even go as far to say that comfort is almost the antithesis of boldness. That it's very hard to be bold and comfortable at the same time. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, if you want a religion to make you really comfortable, he says, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. And this is the truth of what Christianity should be. You look at the early church and that we see in Acts and we see that the church that's described by Paul in his letters and, and in Jude and 1st 2nd Peter and 1st 2nd 3rd John and, and these, these, these people that are described and talked to in these situations. We see people that are bold but they're more often than not are uncomfortable in the life that they're living. Many of them have been chased from their homes. Many of them are being persecuted daily. Many of them don't know where their family is. Many of them are separated from people that they love. Many of them had to give up their lives, give up everything. Many of them chose to sell everything and to go and live with the church and to be that part. They were uncomfortable. But they were bold. And many times what the enemy wants to do, we want to associate comfort with our level of joy. That the more comfortable I am, the happier I am. But that's not true. Scripture says joy cometh from the Lord. From being faithful to Him, to loving Him, to obeying Him. And He doesn't necessarily call us into a place of comfort, but to in a place of boldness. I've been told many times in my life as a child, we, we worked on a farm. Um, and we'd get to the end of the row because I was pulling the pulling the plow because I was the biggest. Um, and we couldn't afford a cow or horse or anything. But I did it. Um, we'd get to the end of the row and I'd sit down, slump over, whatever. And uh, I might sit there for a second and Dad would, it's time to get up. You know, we got more to do. We got, you know, we got to hoe this, we got to weed this, and we got I take care of this because he worked all week, so Saturdays and the evenings when we did this stuff. So time was limited. I'd say things like, "Well, I'm just tired. Or I just want to rest." And he said, "Well, there's time to rest when you're dead." You know, I mean, I don't know if you ever heard that, but I mean, you know, not necessarily wrong. But there's a a a, a scriptural and spiritual way to to view that that we can find comfort in heaven. There's time to be comfortable. When, the, when everything comes to an end and we're at home. Because that's the only place that we'll ever find true comfort anyway. Any kind of comfort that we have here is temporary and will pass away and, and usually really doesn't fulfill the need for comfort and rest that our whole heart and soul truly desires. We can have time for comfort in heaven. But we should desire to be bold while we are here. I would challenge you with, with this. If you are never uncomfortable in your relationship with Christ, then you may not be as close to Christ as you think you are. Because the closer I get to Christ, the more uncomfortable I get. And that's just a sign that I'm getting closer. Because to be like Christ means to be unlike man. So when I'm more like man, I'm more comfortable. When I'm more like Christ, I'm more bold and less comfortable. You see, we are not put into this world to be saved and seek comfort, but to be saved and be bold. To live a bold life for Christ. To say bold things 
for His name. To pray bold prayers, not solely for myself, but bold prayers for my church, for my community, for my neighbor. To go boldly into places that other people may not go. That nonetheless still need the light that Christ gives. And I've found that I cannot be bold and comfortable. I cannot be bold and just be lackadaisical in my life. But just because I'm uncomfortable in the things that God is calling me to do doesn't mean that I'm not happy or filled with joy. I, if you you may not realize this, I'm uncomfortable speaking publicly. Yeah. I, I hated it as a youth. There's no way I wanted any part of it. 4-H speech contest was like, you know, I, I just... I held my little pamp, my little thing in my hand, typed out double spaced word, everything, you know. I, I just I read it and I sat down. Any kind of presentation given, I, it was, you know, not. It was a day of dread for me at, at school. I, I'm not, a, I'm not comfortable speaking publicly. But I know that my my calling and what God desires from my life requires me to do something uncomfortable and to be bold so that I can be pleasing to God. Amen. That I can be pleasing to God. That I may see some change in somebody's life. Amen. My desire is, is to my belief in heaven, my belief in hell, my belief that those two places are the final resting place for every man's soul. My belief that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world if they would just receive Him. My belief that He is the Son of God. Um, that He was just as much man as He was God when He walked upon this earth. That He was born of a virgin. That He is the only way that we could get in. That any other body that tries anything else is the same as a thief and a liar. Don't you know thieves and liars want to enter into the kingdom of heaven? My belief in this, my desire is for that to be what drives me to live boldly. Our level of boldness will always indicate our level of belief in what we say we believe. Because this is the reality. And I don't want to, to be a you know, harp or anything like that. If we truly believe people were dying going to hell, we'd be more bold. True. That's the reality. If we believe that life without Jesus wasn't a life at all, we'd be more bold. If we believe that the person next door has a soul that Jesus loves and wants to save, we'd be more bold. If we really believe that He is the only answer to the world's problems, we would be more bold. We would be more bold. The things and the values that we've spoken of the past few weeks, none of them are easy. Some of them might be easier to others than than anybody else, but none of them are easy. They all require us to move out of our comfort zone, to use our gifts in ways that maybe we've never dreamed of and might make us uncomfortable. Some people don't like to learn. Some people don't like to share. Some people don't like to make friends. They're just not very good at that. Some people don't like to put others first, but that's what Scripture calls us to, out of our comfort zones, into a place of parousia, of fearless confidence, and cheerful courage. I want to be bold. I want to 
be everything that God desires for me to be. Living it out faithfully and boldly for the world to see. Not that, that I may be glorified, not that our church may be glorified, not that our congregation or, or anything else may be elevated or lifted above anybody else, but solely for the reason that I believe what I say I believe. And I want my actions and my boldness to reveal that to others. And I, I'm thankful that that, that Christ and, and His all-knowing and all wonder decided that He would allow us to take part in such a, a great undertaking um, that this thing called salvation is. Um, and that should drive us to be bold. Me and Tara went camping this week. Needed, we, we, we needed to get away. Um, and we were out one evening, and this got, at this camping place, everybody um, has a golf cart. I don't know if that's traditional, how it usually works. Everybody had one, okay? Tricked out, beefed up, all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and the dumpsters were on one side of the, the camp, you know, from, from where we stayed. And we were staying beside this one family that has some kids, I think eight, five, and four, something like that. Um, maybe a little bit older. And, and one evening, they were, the oldest one was asking the mom, you know, let me, you know, let me take the trash to, to, the, to the dumpster. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be smart. I'll, you know, it was dark, you know, me at that age wouldn't have done nothing in, in the dark like that. And, and, she gave him that responsibility and that ability to go and, and do that. And because he had that responsibility, it instilled boldness for him to go into a place that I know for myself I would have not been able to go at that age. The responsibility that Christ has laid at our feet, put on our shoulder, should drive us to a level of boldness that we do not want to fail Christ, that we don't want to let him down. And that whatever may be there, that like Psalms or Proverbs 28.1 says, that we have boldness as a lion to whatever we face. That we don't stand down. That we don't shrink at the sight of adversity or the things that may try to tear us down. But we proceed onward in boldness in all faith. So let's live boldly. Live boldly. For Christ's sake. Let us live boldly. Amen. I will sing. And if you feel the need to come, please do. This is the end of our Vision and Values series. And, and, and this, isn't, this isn't just a, a few talks that I've given and, and that we're going to move on to the, to the next topic and we're going to forget about this. We're going to, this is who we need to be. This, this is who we are called to be. And we need to do it boldly, fearlessly, faithfully, consistently, confidently. By the abilities that Christ has given us, let us live these out boldly. So if you have a need to come, please do come. Um, for whatever, if it's something to do with this sermon or one of the other uh, uh, sermons that we've had over the past couple of weeks with our vision and values, I pray that you come. If it's something else entirely that you're just struggling with, come and pray. Pray boldly. Whatever it is that might seem impossible to you, lift it up to God. Pray boldly for whatever it may be. Amen. Um, but if you will, stand. I, uh, I'm going to sing. If you want to sing with me, you can. If you want to come pray, do that as well. Amen.
my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing God. Amen. Amen. Bless you. And there's um